Hello, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Alexi, and I'm currently the Global Patient Safety Fellow with UCB. Through my fellowship's affiliation with IPHO, I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. I'll have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listeners, with the podcast that I wish I had as a resource when I was a pharmacy student. We'll tackle subjects like navigating mid-year, what you can do as a student to get relevant experiences on your CV, day-in-the-life episodes where you'll hear from fellows in various functional areas, and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. With that being said, enjoy the show. Okay, welcome back, everyone. This week, I am joined by my good friend, Georgia Corti. Georgia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alexi. So Georgia graduated with her PharmD in 2021 from MCPHS University in Boston. She's currently a first-year Global Patient Safety and Regulatory Affairs Fellow at Ironwood. This is a two-part fellowship where the first year focuses on safety and the second on regulatory affairs. On today's episode, we'll be learning about Georgia's journey and how she got to where she is today. We'll dive deep into her journey to the pharmaceutical industry, her current position, what she does in her role, and any tips she has for those hoping to land a fellowship one day. So with that being said, let's just dive right into the first question. Georgia, let's start at the very beginning, okay? So can you talk a little bit about your past, where you're from, and what made you really decide to go to pharmacy school? Yeah, great question. So um, I'm originally from the UK, as you can tell by my accent, (laughs) Um, and I'm also from Ghana as well. Um, When I was 16, I moved to the Bay Area, uh, to California for two years of high school. Then I moved to Boston for pharmacy school. Um, so kind of, you know, starting at the beginning, my parents did immigrate from Ghana in West Africa to England, and they raised my two older sisters and I in Cambridge, UK. And um, since, like, I'm the youngest sibling, I've always kind of had a affinity for, like, differentiating myself from my, my, uh, my older sisters. And my family are all, like, medical professionals, like doctors, nurses, psychologists, and so I always grew up with the importance of healthcare and education um, kind of being like the main goal of, um, and then in turn, you know, helping others um, in that regard. And so when I was in high school in California, I didn't really know yet what I wanted to do um, in college. So I knew that I liked things like physics and I liked math. And so I was like, I guess I can do chemical engineering, like that kind of like makes sense. But then my heart wasn't really in it in general and um it was only kind of uh towards like the end of junior year when i realized that you know living in california i learned a lot about the opioid epidemic because i'm not sure like if you're aware but in the bay area in california it's really really like rampant and um really actually pretty bad over there and so as i was learning more about opioids i kind of found myself learning about like the properties of drugs and um in terms of learning terms like tolerance and receptors and learning about pharmacies and I realized that I was becoming you know more fascinated with pharmacy Um, and so I didn't even realize that I was you know learning about the things that we kind of learn in pharmacy school so then I realized that this could possibly be a career path for me and I started you know speaking to more pharmacists and I applied for a PharmD um, in Boston and here I am so kind of a cool, you know, like figuring out what I wanted to do, but I'm glad that I'm not doing chemical engineering because it's like, in, in hindsight, it's definitely not for me. 
Yeah, that's actually really funny to hear you say that. That this is not a conversation that I've had before with I don't think anyone, but when I was in high school, I was kind of considering a similar route. I, I was kind of thinking, okay, I mean, I'm good at math, I'm good at science. Like typically people that go to pharmacy school are people that did pretty well in high school, mm-hmm. right? And then when you're thinking about what to do, I also ended up coming on into like the idea of chemical engineering. And then yeah. I kind of looked into it. Um, and I, I think I kind of came to a similar decision as you, which is like, you know, I, I, I might have the skills and ability, but it just didn't seem like my sort of thing. And both of my parents were engineers. That's what they went to school for. So that's kind of why I was thinking I would go down that route. Um, but yeah, I guess we both ended up in pharmacy. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Hopefully your parents weren't mad at you for not going down the engineering route. But... Yeah, no, no. I think they're definitely okay with it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. So why then did you decide to pursue a career in the pharmaceutical industry, right? So we, we understand the decision to go to pharmacy school. And then was there anything that happened maybe during pharmacy school that kind of pushed you in the direction of the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah, so it's always, you know, interesting for me hearing about like how pharmacy students like hear about the pharmaceutical industry, just because like, I don't know about you, but for me in pharmacy school, it's not much of a focus in our school. It's more um, you know, in comparison to career paths such as retail and hospital, there's more of a focus on that. Um, but uh, growing up and like to this day, my dad is a biostatistician. And so growing up, I didn't really know exactly like what he did. It kind of seemed really complicated. And I simplified it in my mind as like, he's basically just good at math. Um, so I kind of like had it in the back of my mind that industry was a potential career opportunity. But I still wasn't really aware or fully understand how pharmacists like fit into industry yet. Um, But luckily, um, MCPHS, where I went to pharmacy school in Boston, they had a pretty active IPHO chapter. Um, And so when I was a freshman, um, I joined, I was like that like freshman who joined lots of like different clubs like APHA, like, and, you know, all the different kind of like retail, like pharmacy clubs and I joined IPHO, um, you know, not really fully understanding everything going on in meetings, but I was interested in hearing about the value of a pharmacist in these pharmaceutical companies and how a PharmD can really equip you um, to kind of like aid in drug development and safety and regulation. So I'd say like that was um, where I was able to like ask the most questions and be the most um, exposed to industry was you know, um, by being a part of IPHO for several years in pharmacy school. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome to hear that. So uh, similar for me as well, like P1 year, uh, I did the same thing. I joined a ton of pharmacy clubs. Um, I remember, you know, one day they brought all of us P1s into this giant like hall, basically, and all the clubs were there. And it was basically, I think we just got like an hour or two to just walk around and look at all the clubs. And I was like, how are you supposed to just like choose right how do i know if i want to be in like the pediatrics club or the critical care club or ipho so i did the same thing i joined a bunch of them and that's something i recommend to like a lot of students that might be listening that are just going into pharmacy school right like in the very beginning just try to get exposed to as many things as you can because for me it was the same thing it was ipho during my p1 year we had a guest speaker from industry who came in and that just completely opened my eyes because i personally didn't even know about industry as a career choice going into pharmacy school. I worked in a retail pharmacy. Um, I then during pharmacy school worked in a hospital pharmacy, but I kind of thought I would go one of those directions. And then 
P1 year, I, I feel looking back, I feel like I was so lucky that I just happened to join IPHO and get that exposure to that guest speaker because it totally changed like the trajectory of my pharmacy school career path. Yeah, I think like, you definitely hit the nail on the head and it is really important when you are early on in pharmacy school or just even if you're like about to finish, like just to experience as much as you can because we all like wouldn't have known about industry um, if we didn't ask about it or if we didn't attend like that like meeting. So Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Honestly, if if you can get exposure early, that's the best. But say you had no exposure to industry and you're coming up towards the end of your pharmacy school career. You know, if if you have an available Abbey block, try to get an industry rotation and just just mm-hmm. see if you like it or not. Even if you don't go into industry right after graduation, at least then you'll have an idea of whether or not that might be something you want to pursue. Literally just last week at my fellowship at UCB, there's an Abbey student there and she knows she's going to do a residency, but she said, you know, I just figured I would try this rotation. And for her, it seems like she solidified that she does not want to do industry. And I think that is just as valuable, right? Like if you're going to, if you're going to be spending your entire year on happy rotations, I think that's where you get the most value. Just figure out what you like and even more importantly, what you don't like. Such a good point. Yeah. Cool. So a lot of our listeners obviously are current pharmacy students, and they always have a lot of questions about fellowship interviews. So I know the fellowship interview cycle kind of just ended, um, but I I just think this is a really relevant year-round topic. So what was your overall experience like when you went through interviews, and what advice would you give to students that are planning to go through that process? Yeah, so I interviewed for mid-year in 2020, so it was during peak pandemic. Um, So, of course, the interviewing was primarily online. Um, And at this point, you know, like two years into the pandemic, we're all good at communicating like online. But I think for the first virtual mid-year, there was quite a bit of like adaptation that had to be done. Um, For example, um, all of a sudden, some companies weren't using the PPS system like, you know, traditionally. And instead, they were kind of conducting interviews on their own um, timelines. And so preparation for this mid-year, in my opinion, was like definitely key. Um, so, you know, everyone will, will like advise students to like start early, do your research early. And this is definitely true. But I think it also depends on what kind of person that you are. Like for me, um, me myself, I know that I'll have a freak out, or like a, a mental breakdown if I didn't make that like Excel spreadsheet of like all the companies I'm interviewing for in order to like kind of get all of my ducks in a row. Um, but I'd say in terms of preparation, um, I'd firstly say, you know, do your research on the kinds of fellowships that you want to apply for. So kind of thinking about your priority, like is it large versus small companies? Is it a particular disease state? Um, is it based on like location? Like do you mind being in New England or do you want to be in like sunny California um also thinking about you know uh like small biotech versus like a, a pharmaceutical company as well and like differentiating between the two of those so that's some, something that like I kind of had that conversation with myself in my head um when I was first looking for the kinds of fellowships that I wanted to apply for and then once you kind of done your research for that I would reach out to fellows or people who work for those companies um, and just ask them, you know, how they like working there, about the application process, if they're like involved in the fellowship process, what they do day to day, et cetera, all those, um, those good questions. And also um, utilizing company websites as well. That's kind of um, 
a tip from my preceptor. She says that usually they'll have, um, usually these company websites will have like a investor tab or like a, um, a hot topic section. Um, and this is like all public information that the company kind of like puts out there. And you can learn a lot about um, uh, individual company and like where, like what direction they're going in, like what, what's in their pipeline. And so once you have more of a gauge on the company, I would start then looking at your CV and just like getting to know your CV really well, see how you can like leverage your experiences um, to suit what these fellowships that you've done research on, like trying to see like what they're looking for and how you can like leverage your CV to tailor to that. Um, for example, like, um, have you seen that these companies are really passionate about like diversity initiatives and you might want to think about things that you've done in your past to like highlight that or is there like a particular like you know project on your rotation that um, you know might kind of catch the eyes of the people who are interviewing you and then lastly about your CV I would also um, just get as many eyes on it as possible because when you do interview you'll have a, a wide variety of people also looking at your CV. So it's always good to have like a lot of different kinds of perspectives about your CV as well. And of course, just like knowing it in and out um, so that you can speak to it um, during interviews, like clearly and concisely. And then also um, one last thing that I would say that I learned for myself is just um, the importance of like getting used to like talking about yourself because it can kind of feel like a really weird thing, especially like if you're doing it for the first time in like interview or media season, like talking about yourself, like is really exhausting. Um, so I think just like, you know, getting used to like having casual conversations with your friends or your family, um, getting them to like, you know, interview you um, for practice is really helpful because not only are you like getting used to talking about yourself, you're also um, getting used to being interviewed by different kinds of people as well. So. Wow. So that was awesome. There was so much good advice in that. So I actually kind of want to break down some of the things that you said, because I, a lot of what you said resonated with my experience, because I obviously also went through the interview process at the same time as you, everything was remote. So a couple of the things that you mentioned, the first is that, you know, adapting to virtual interviews. Um, and a lot of my comments are also going to be based off of the cycle that just ended because I was this time I was in a position where I was interviewing a lot of candidates. So I, I don't know. Did you have involvement in that as well? Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. So I, I would just say like for the virtual interviews, if it continues to, to stay like that, at least for the next cycle, you know, I definitely practice that because when we say practice interviewing, practice virtual interviewing too, because there is so many, uh, you know, applicants where you know, a lot of people will think, oh, it's virtual. I can have all my notes in front of me. Um, and I mean, to an extent, it is a little bit more flexible in that sense, but also it's very, very obvious to the interviewer if you're just reading, you know, your responses the entire time. Um, so just something to practice and to be aware of. As for your next point, which was do your own research and utilizing LinkedIn, I'm not going to comment on that one too much because I have gone on and on and on about utilizing LinkedIn on this podcast. And I feel like sorry for people that listen to all the episodes, <laughs> but LinkedIn is the greatest thing you could do as a pharmacy student. If you're trying to get into industry, it is the best way to connect to people. So just, just use it. <laughs> the <laughs> next point about company websites. This is actually not a tip that I, I don't think a single guest has, has said this in the past. Um, and it is so true. Like I used every single company's website that I applied for. And you're right, like 
I use the Excel sheet just like you did to keep track of everything. Otherwise, honestly, it's impossible to keep track of everything. And I was afraid I'd mix up a company name or something during an interview because I had so many interviews, right? So use Excel. And yeah, the company website has so much information on it besides just like what drugs does the company make? What therapeutic areas are they working in? But a lot of smaller things, like things that you might be passionate about, uh, charities that they may have, or like, or like, uh, climate change like a lot of companies now on their websites i see like oh we're pledged to be climate neutral by this time um or the investor tab like you said i remember during one interview i brought up uh uh on some company's website right in that investor section they they listed like a positive phase three readout or something and i brought that up during the interview and they're like wow that just happened literally a couple days ago so that's something that they thought was impressive so that's a great resource as well the company website uh cv prep this is an interesting one because Yes, I would definitely agree with get as many eyes on it as possible, but I would also caution students in pharmacy school. Um, you know, I, I think industry CVs are very different from CVs that are prepared for residencies. And you mentioned your school, you know, MCPHS is definitely a school where, yes, they probably focus on um, community and hospital, but I feel like in general, MCPHS is a pretty well-known school in industry, right? You guys have like what the second largest fellowship program in the country and yeah. Rutgers is number one. So those schools, I think probably do a pretty good job of preparing you at my school. It was even more so like that. Like they really didn't talk much about industry at all. And a lot of the CV prep courses that they offered were completely geared towards residencies. And then whenever I had people in industry review my CV they would be like, no, 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 like completely reverse all of this. So definitely try to get people to review your CV that are either current fellows or already in industry. Um, and then your last point, which was get used to talking about yourself. Uh, yes, agreed. As soon as you said that, I thought in my head that was exhausting. And then you said talking about yourself is exhausting. And that is 100% true. No matter how much you practice, you will be tired going through these interviews because if you have a lot of interviews back to back to back, you're just going to feel like you're constantly saying the same thing over and over about yourself and you are, and naturally you're going to feel tired, but you have to remember this is the first time these people are hearing you tell this story about yourself. So it's like every interview you have to be like, kind of, you have to show that you're into the interview and pumped up and like keep yourself from getting tired. And it is very exhausting and it definitely does take practice. So all of those were excellent tips. Yeah, I think, like, definitely, like, if you're um, an introvert as well, like, you kind of, like, have to, like, preserve your energy a little bit. So, yeah, like, talking about yourself can be exhausting. But just with anything, you know, practice makes perfect. So just kind of, like, exercising that, like, muscle um, is what helped me in general. A hundred percent. Yeah, me too. So, okay, so you went through the fellowship process. You gave us some tips on how to how to do the same and then can you talk a little bit about your thought process in choosing Ironwood and kind of how you determined that they were the right fit for you? Yeah, so originally I was looking for regulatory affairs fellowships like exclusively because I had completed a regulatory strategy rotation um, at Alchemy's in Boston. And I was like thoroughly interested in it. I like fell in love with regulatory and you know, seeing how like the FDA interacts with pharmaceutical companies and kind of the strategy and, and like intelligence and like ad com from that. And so I was looking for primarily regulatory affairs fellowships. And then I came across Ironwood Fellowship, which is like you mentioned, is comprised of one year patient safety and one year regulatory affairs. 
And I realized that like safety and regulatory really do go hand in hand. And it would only make me a more like attractive candidate if I had the kind of foundational knowledge of both of them, like once I finished my fellowship. Um, and then uh, I then spoke to the program directors, Teresa and Martin, who informed me that they had completed a similar fellowship of that nature at Biogen. And they themselves saw the value of having training in both. And so I, um, and thus they created that fellowship at Ironwood. Um, and so I, you know, only kind of saw the benefit of having like um, a dual fellowship where I can kind of have exposure to everything. Um, and yeah, I feel like in general, that that's what being a fellow is. It's like, you know, absorbing as much as you can in the two years um in order to you know learn as much as you can um and also you know having like a a, a two component kind of fellowship where i get like safety knowledge which also helps with with regulatory knowledge as well in turn i thought that that would be you know ultimately valuable um and also you know with like management of like safety data and like you know management of like different regulatory agencies um you know throughout um the globe they really do help to kind of like filter into each other and, um, you know, just ultimately help you better to understand um, how pharmacovigilance and regulatory kind of go hand in hand. And then also something else that kind of attracted me to Ironwood is just that overall company culture. Um, like when I was, when I was talking to people who worked at Ironwood and also at Ironwood Fellow, I made it, I made sure to ask them like how they liked working at Ironwood and like kind of to gauge more about the company culture. Um, just because, you know, when you are interviewing with a company, they're not only interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them to see if it's like, like a right fit. And I just saw that Ironwood had very similar kind of values as I in terms of like diversity and like community outreach and stuff like that so um you know kind of like all of the like check boxes for myself were being like checked so that was what was what made me realize that Ironwood is like a right fit for me great thank you yeah I will say it is very very cool that you get two functional areas in the same fellowship like for me in patient safety you're right so much of regulatory kind of mixes into there I, especially at the beginning of my fellowship i felt like i was almost doing a regulatory affairs fellowship because so much of our processes and safety are based off of regulatory guidances right like everything we do is based off fda guidances ema guidances so you really have to be familiar with um you know different regulatory agencies and and how they want things done within safety um, but, it, you know, it is cool that you actually get like a formal year of each within your fellowship. So that's honestly like really, really cool. Um, and then, you know, small versus large companies and company culture. I, I agree with what you said about you're also interviewing the company. Um, and I feel like for students that are listening, you know, when I was a student, I always heard people say that. And I always kind of thought back then that it was kind of silly. And I was thinking, I'll just take whatever I can get, right? Like, because fellowship interviews are so they're so competitive. But then, you know, once you are actually in that position, once you're interviewing for fellowships and you're interviewing with all these different companies, it is so true. Like you will get to the point where you are interviewing the companies at that point. Um, and it's really important to consider everything about the company, not just the company's name and how well they, they're known. But like you said, asking people, how do you actually like working for the company? What's your experience there like? So I think that's so important for, for the listeners to consider when when they're going through the process. So thank you for that. 
So what sort of work or projects have you gotten the chance to be involved with during your fellowship up to this point now that we are, what, almost nine months into it? Yeah, so as you know, um, a fellowship is all about learning and absorbing as much as you can in your two years. And so pretty early on, my preceptor like vouched to get me like hands-on experience and my eyes, um, you know, kind of like all over the different processes that we um, have at Ironwood just to kind of familiarize myself with them and it can often be like overwhelming and like a really steep learning curve um because of course like coming from pharmacy school we aren't exactly trained on how to do all of these processes but I think that that's something that is unique about the pharmacy is that we're we're like you know trained for like six or some some people even eight years to um you know, be be able to like learn really, really quickly. I think that that kind of like has helped me with this fellowship. So overall, something that I um, have been doing a lot would be like, you know, QCing, like really important, like safety documents. Um, we uh, of course are involved in like aggregate reporting and reviewing and authoring um, signal detection and management. Um, my team also conducts like the literature searches, which we um, review on a weekly basis. We have lots of cross-functional meetings. Um, I've also helped to organize like safety management team meetings and our um, review committees that happen on a biannual basis. Um, recently, I got to work on reviewing a lay summary that was just published for one of our clinical trials in the UK. Um, so I get to like have like a lot of like hands-on experience within our cross-functional team, um, not only within um, Ironwood, but also outside of Ironwood, because of course it's a um, our drug is not only approved in the U.S. but also outside of the U.S. So that we um, we have partners who also help us as well. So I've got an experience of being able to you know oversee um, or I should say beyond beyond calls with our partners and see kind of like how they um, help us out with things and how they kind of filter into that as well. Um, but something else that I'm really, really passionate about is students in general. Um, and so pretty early on, my preceptor like noted that I really enjoyed, um, you know, helping her to precept AFI students. And so um, I think like after about one or two students had passed, like she asked me if I wanted to take that on. And so now I'm like the, um, the primary preceptor for our patient safety AFI students. Um, and so, yeah, that's just like something that I think is really um, kind of valuable about being a fellow is that you do, well, depending on your company, you do have the autonomy to um, like direct your fellowship um, based on your interests. And so like, for example, if you're interested in, in teaching, possibly there might be like a component of your fellowship that you can explore that. Um, and then lastly, um, I also helped out with um, our the, the leadership of our fellowship recruitment for this past cycle um, and hopefully it was successful we'll see when our fellows um, join us in July which I'm really excited about but that was also something that I really enjoyed um, just like working with our team on you know um, collaborating together to make the recruitment process as smooth as possible. Awesome. So it sounds like you've gotten a lot of very cool and very different experiences so far. Um, you know, a lot of those safety experiences are things that I myself also have been doing in patient safety. So I can definitely relate to that. 
Um, as for Appy students, that's actually really cool. We don't have any Appy students in my department, but you know, like I said, like last week, I met an Appy student who was doing a rotation in um, global clinical development, and you know, hopefully in the future we will get Appy students because that's something I would love to be involved in as well. Um, and then, yeah, leading efforts for fellowship recruitment—that is something that was such a great experience. But I was definitely glad when it was over because that was a lot of work. Yeah. So how would you say your fellowship has differed from what you were expecting when you originally started the program? Yeah, this is a really interesting question, actually. Um, and I mean, it requires me to like think back, which I didn't really like, like to do that very often. But I think like one thing I like about um, working in pharma in general is that a lot of the work focuses on like improving and, um, you know, looking back to see what we could have done better. and um, why things like you know possibly didn't really work out um, and so I think overall like I kind of didn't realize that pharma um, like pays that much attention to their processes it's always about you know what's the newest like um, FDA guidance like are we compliant with that um, it's always you know um, is our safety management the most effective it, it, it can be? Um, are there other ways that we can, you know, make sure that all the cases that we're seeing like are validated? Can we do it faster? Um, can we use other people's help? And so I just like that kind of like troubleshooting and like critical thinking that comes with, um, that comes in um, my fellowship thus far. So that, that's something that I wasn't really expecting, um, you know, really, thinking about the kind of soft skills that you learn um, that you kind of like take for granted when you're like writing your CV, for example, you know, like, um, you know, working in a team, uh, being collaborative, thinking about how you can improve things. I think that that was something that I wasn't expecting. And overall, just um, seeing how pharmacist um, perspectives can really help in industry. Um, you know, of course, like working in a, a retail pharmacy, for example, our one of our main roles is to be detail oriented and in order to make sure that the patient's medication is safely getting to them right and so um i feel like you can kind of bring that detail orientation into industry because like there are so many things that could go wrong that um with that like detail um attention you're able to like foresee um things that could possibly go wrong and like prevent that from happening um, also, you know, pharmacists, of course, like have that critical thinking component as well. Um, and overall, we also have that like um, exposure to patients directly as well, that kind of patient-directed care. Um, so we're able to like recall on ways that we think that patients might be thinking about certain things or um, even like um, possibly thinking more about a patient's perspective on like pain or thinking about a patient's perspective on like ease of use of the medication. So I think overall, like, I just didn't really realize going into it that I would um, learn as much as I had, but also um, didn't, I didn't really realize that I would be awoken to the fact that pharmacist skills can be really heavily utilized in industry as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, what you said about like the different systems and like basically just like how much time and effort is put into like optimizing systems. Um, that's not something that I, I was really like, I guess, prepared for coming into it, but it's something that I learned to really, really like. Like I really like that sort of 
thinking and that sort of work. So I found that super interesting. Um, and then in my case, also what surprised me was how much broader the functional area. So I went into safety, how much broader safety was compared to what I originally thought. Um, like I had had an appy rotation in pharmacovigilance where I worked with safety scientists and I was kind of familiar with certain concepts like, you know, signal detection and aggregate reports. But like in reality, there's so many more, you know, departments and sub areas of safety than what I originally thought. Um, and I'm that's why I'm glad like with my with my program, I get to do rotations in like a lot of those different departments. And it's just there's just so much more work than I originally like was aware about. And I think that's another great reason to do a fellowship because you get exposed to all these different areas um, as opposed to just like, had I come in and just taken in uh, like a job in one department, it would have been so much more difficult to get exposure to those other areas. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a great experience so far. Um, and then I do have one more question for you. So what do you think about the concept of making the most of your fellowship? Like, is that something that you spend a lot of time thinking about? Um, the reason I bring it up is because my last guest, Dimple Gandhi, she brought this up. And ever since then, I've spent a pretty good amount of time thinking about it and, you know, being kind of active in thinking about how to make the most of my time, my two years in the program. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, um, I often can become like overwhelmed when I think about that. I'm like, oh my gosh, we were, we're already like 10 months into our fellowship. We only have like a year left. But then um, something that kind of puts my mind at ease is um, similar to what you mentioned that you, um, you said that you uh, like write down at the end of each week like what you um you like have done um so like that's similar to what I do as well and that really helps me to like realize that I'm actually like being exposed to and learning like a lot of stuff um that otherwise like if I didn't write it down I'd be like oh like you know I QC that document that's not really a big deal or like I got to sit on on this meeting that's not really a big deal so I think overall like part of making the most of your fellowship is of course like not saying yes to everything but also kind of saying yes to everything because that that's the way to get the most exposure and like that then in turn like learn the most um and I think that um what I would do is also um I like to like ask like kind of like follow-up questions with people who I um I got to meet with that week as well so I'll like note down like you know like if there was anything like like loose end wise I could ask them um and also um keeping like an open line of communication with people as well just because you know nine times out of ten you'll need to work with them again in the future and I think also like on the topic of like you know um thinking about like networking and like industry professionals in general it it, it can kind of be like being a dead horse, like talking about LinkedIn and stuff. But I know that we, you know, we have excellent tools such as LinkedIn um, that, you know, what that like that, that network is really, really powerful when used like properly. And um, I meet with my preceptor twice a week and I often tell her about the things that I'm passionate about or interested in knowing more about. And she simply says, like, oh, yeah, like, reach out to so-and-so, like, you know, they can help you with this, or why not set up a one-on-one -on -one with blah, blah, blah. Um, and this is, like, really, you know, this is, like, true networking, in my opinion, because it's, like, learning from those who are above you 
and then also not forgetting to like turn around and help those who are below you as well um and so I think that that is also part of like making the most of your fellowship like thinking about um not only the people who you can connect with on, on LinkedIn but also like the people who are right in front of you at your company because there are probably so many you know people who um can give you like a really interesting perspective on like PharmDs or like other you know medical professions within the industry as well. Yeah, 100%. So I mean, a couple of things that you said, the first is kind of writing down what you are accomplishing. So whether it's a weekly basis or monthly or whatever it is, just keep track of what you're doing. Because a lot of times, you know, like you said, it can get stressful and kind of overwhelming thinking, oh, my God, the fellowship is flying by, I don't have so much time left. But you know, if you if you really do keep a good record of all the things you've done and have learned and been exposed to, you you can see right in front of you like, oh, wow, I've actually learned a ton throughout my time. And I still have like, more than double that amount of time left, like I have so much time left to, to learn all this. So um, I think that's a really good, you know, tangible thing that you can do during your fellowship. And then, yeah, I mean, networking is so, so, so important. And yeah, I couldn't agree more like LinkedIn 100%. But also, you know, I find myself now that we are back in the office a few times a week, I'll just run into people from other departments in the office and, you know, I'll introduce myself. And then maybe a few days later, I'll, I'll message that person on Teams or whatever and be like, hey, we met the other day. Do you want to like grab lunch together or something? And then kind of just like networking that way as well. And I mean, it's not like I do that with every single person I meet, but I find that, you know, when I sit there and think, okay, I only have a set amount of time here. It kind of it kind of like lights that fire under me to say, okay, let's reach out to these people that otherwise maybe I wouldn't be doing. Um, so that's just another thing that I, I definitely recommend to people if if they are starting to go back into the office. Yeah. And I mean, also like this is a time for us to like make mistakes, right? Like this is a time for us to like um, kind of get our hands dirty and like, you know, reach out to like random people in, in like different like functional areas that we might not be able to reach out to like in the future so I think that making the most of it in 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 that regard or from that perspective is like really helpful as well yeah 100 percent. and play the fellow card too right just when you when you reach out <laughs> to people introduce yourself like hey I'm I'm the fellow I would love to to get to know you where you're right like if you were just like a full-time employee I kind of doubt people would say no in that situation too but it is nice to be able to say, hey, I'm a fellow. I'm learning about all the different areas. Like, can I can I have a one-on-one? And I find people are usually more than happy to do that. Awesome. Well, Georgia, thank you so much. That is the end of my questions. You provided so much good advice to the listeners. I, I really hope that they enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed having you on the show. So thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay. And for the listeners, thank you again so much for listening. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye.